0: Welcome, everybody. This is How to English. Teach and learn with Gavin M. It's a podcast about teaching and learning English as a foreign language. All opinions stated are personal and references will be given when necessary. I still think I'm in the 20th century, Gav. Why is that, M? Because I'm a fuddy duddy. A fuddy duddy?
1: What's a fuddy daddy?
0: Someone who is a bit old-fashioned and stuck in their ways and doesn't like change.
1: But change is good, Em.
0: It is, I know it is, but it's hard. I, you know, I grew up with 20th century ideas and then I got launched into a new century and I don't know if I was ready for it.
1: So you're living in a new era, but maybe your mind is still... Somewhere in the past.
0: A little bit, yeah, I think so. So 22 years into the new century, I should really be catching up by now. But how do you feel, Gav? Do you feel well entrenched in 21st century-ness?
1: I think I feel a little bit of what you feel. I feel I'm being kind of tugged, drawn.
0: Reluctantly.
1: Pushed, even, into the 22nd
0: Hmm. Getting ahead of yourself there. We're not quite at that one. We're not going to see that one, unfortunately.
1: Into the 21st century, but not reluctantly.
0: No. Oh, that's good.
1: I am so happy that these changes are happening around us and that things are just simply getting better. Or if not getting better, we're more aware of where the problems are. And then we can focus on improving stuff for everybody.
0: Very true. I think we are making... A huge amount of headway in the development of humanity, let's say.
1: Perhaps not us specifically, but we are trying to contribute. We're trying to bring a bit of positivity into the world. Us as a civilization,
0: Humankind is what I meant by us. I think we're getting a bit better, generally. That's what I meant by us. But even us, me and you, I think... These small things make big waves, don't they? I think that's what they say. So you have to make a change. And there's no better way to improve humanity and civilization than being a good teacher.
1: And a good podcaster.
0: Possibly. Yeah. (laughs) So let's think about the teaching side of this, Gav. So this is all about 21st century teaching. What is? This episode... Episode
1: 19 of... How to English, teach and learn with Gav and M.
0: Exactly. And we've both read an article. So remember when we were talking about polyglots on episode 17, we'd read different articles and we were experts. This time we've read the same article. So I guess we are experts on that one article.
1: I wouldn't go that far, but I'm very grateful you found a really fascinating article all on the topic of 21st century skills. Critical thinking, communication, collaboration, creativity, and written by the helpful professor Chris Drew, PhD. So, Dr. Drew, thank you for that.
0: Fascinating article. Really enjoyed it. Very comprehensive, easy to understand. And it's given me a lot of thought. And broken down in a
1: very easy-to-digest way. As you said, Em, I read the article too, and I made a few notes on some of these paragraphs, which are absolutely fascinating. And I think not only for teachers, but maybe learners also get something from today's show.
0: Definitely. Definitely worth reflecting on it, how it is for you as a student, how you fit into this, if what you're getting in the classroom is what you want.
1: Are your needs being taken into account by your 21st century teacher? That's right. That's a good question, Em. Do you have a 21st century teacher or is your teacher teaching you the way that they were teaching in the 20th century? Hmm. Should we define a 20th century teacher first?
0: This is what the article will describe. If you have all these attitudes and Techniques, implementing these things will make you a 21st century teacher. We are teaching young people for jobs that don't even exist yet. So how can we even imagine what they're going to need in those places in the future? It's not only young people, though, is it? I think it's good for any age. As teachers,
1: we need to reflect on the skills that we're giving future workers, people of society... This is a lot of responsibility, Em.
0: Yeah, let's not get too heavy. So coming back to point one, Gav. Personalised learning. Two, equity, diversity and inclusivity. Three, learning through doing. Four, changed role of the teacher. Five, community relationships. Six, technology. And seven is teacher professionalism. Point one, Gav. Personalization. What does it mean? I think it's, it's drawing on the students. Student led lessons where you're getting input from your class. You're not just feeding it. The information is not just coming from the teacher to the student. It's not a one size fits all method. That's the other really interesting point. We tend to think this is my lesson and it will work for everybody. And it's not true.
1: That's an interesting argument because I might use the same lesson for several different classes. But as you say, you might have to adapt the lesson to be more suitable
0: for certain groups. Which makes me think, is it harder for the teacher to teach like this or easier? If it's student-led, do you think it means more stress or not for the teacher? I think
1: you still have to prepare a lot as a teacher, even if you're expecting the class to be led by a student or a group of students.
0: Yeah, it's letting go of that power, which for me growing up in the 20th century was very much a pyramid, you know, teacher at the top. And we were taught to listen and take it in and not ask questions, really, just very one way. So I think students of today are ready for the interaction and they want this very dynamic classroom where their voice is heard and they can direct it to wherever they want it to go. We as teachers need to be ready for that.
1: And that's not only young people. I find with some of my older students, they expect exactly the same thing that you're describing.
0: Yeah, So flexibility is a really, really good characteristic to have as a teacher. But that does mean you need to pivot when it's time, you know, change your direction and go with the flow and not be so rigid in your idea that you have in mind to teach.
1: As long as you've got outcomes and you try to fulfill those outcomes or adapt your goal so that it's suitable for the students and they will have a fulfilling lesson experience.
0: It's being switched on isn't it really it's just being in the moment and ready to adapt if necessary which is a different skill because I'm still of the kind of old-fashioned teacher of this is what I want to do and this is my lesson plan and get from A to B and this to is page eight yeah I might go a slightly different way but I'm still thinking this is where I want to get to whereas I think now you can go into a class and not even know where you're going to get to and you
1: yeah. might not know the starting point or the finishing point. exactly,
0: And you have to be good at recognising if it's going in a good way or if you're going in an interesting direction and if you need to then sort of channel it a bit more or refine it. But that is our role, I think, now.
1: But still considering what are the steps of each lesson, we need to cover certain things. Is it listening? Is it speaking? Is it reading? Is it writing? I guess. Do we have vocabulary in this part? Is there pronunciation? Are we looking at chunks of language? What is this target? What's the outcome? Will we adapt it? Will we have a completely different lesson than Mm. the one we intended to teach?
0: That's why I find it quite stressful because I'm constantly just this voice in my head saying, are they learning something? Are they learning? And I think that's what I need to understand But I think we're going to come to this a bit more later when we discuss other aspects of this. So
1: some of our considerations are, for example, the nationality of the student, maybe their cultural background, their mother tongue, their learning styles, perhaps the student's motivation. We need to find out, is it for an exam? Is it for work? Is it for travel? Is it for something else? All of these factors have to be included in the personalisation experience
0: which then means different content, different delivery style, different assessment. There's a lot there to consider.
1: Certainly is. Em, um, I think I recall you mentioning the second paragraph was all about equity, diversity and inclusivity.
0: That's right, which means a lot of things. So equality between the rich and the poor, equality between different cultures, inclusivity, which is about... Anybody from anywhere being welcome in your space?
1: M um, space. do you remember we did an episode all about space?
0: Yeah, spaces. That's it.
1: Season two, episode 8 featuring Helen and Celeste.
0: That's right. So it's really important to be aware of it. Is your space accessible and and open for people with disabilities. Gender also is here, inclusivity of gender, non-binary. People of colour, all of this is so important. And what can we do as teachers, Gav?
1: There are so many things we can do. Have a look at your materials that you're using, make sure they're inclusive, they're diverse, they're considering people from different backgrounds, as you described. Even if it's something as simple as you're making a PowerPoint and you need to include a couple. Think about maybe a gay couple, a non binary couple, maybe people of colour. Maybe people with disabilities, just include them in your PowerPoint. But it doesn't have to be the focus of the lesson. If somebody raises the question, maybe they've got something they wanna discuss that's related to some of those pictures that are connected to the lesson, to the vocab, to the grammar, whatever it is, it just gives the students an opportunity to, to openly discuss diverse and inclusive topics.
0: Maybe if they want, but otherwise, just to see other people or themselves represented or other people they know represented, just to remember that all these people exist. I think we have to keep reminding people and teach it, I think is what another really big point teach it, describe cultures, talk about backgrounds, other traditions, other people, the way people live, the way the world is. So I think that is what we can do as teachers.
1: As we discussed in series one, episode 48, where we featured raise up students' books. So check that out. You can have a look at some of their topics that they used in their teaching resources. Very useful.
0: Let's move on to point three, learning through doing. What are your thoughts, Gav?
1: Well, I've mentioned before, I love case studies. I like a good puzzle. I recently did some escape rooms with my students, which was really useful. So they were collaborating, working together to solve the puzzles and mysteries, to escape the rooms. And this was all communicative and using very specific skills together.
0: How is that better then than a traditional book type of lesson?
1: I think it's more of a genuine experience where students are meaningfully communicating with each other. So then it's more memorable? It could be. Psychologists do suggest that making it more meaningful might be more memorable.
0: Yeah, rather than just having a fact or a piece of information given to you, I think when you form an idea in your mind, it does tend to fix itself there.
1: Mm, When I try to memorise things, I'm pretty sure it's going to be gone within an hour. But make it meaningful? I might remember it for an entire weekend.
0: That's right, (laughs) if you're lucky. Yeah, that's right. So there's a lot of these abbreviations now, like TBL. Do you know what that is? Task-based learning. That's it. There's PBL. Problem-based learning. Yes. All, I think, working on the same principle where there is a task and everyone needs to collaborate to solve it or to make something.
1: It's very 21st century, Em. I can imagine needing these skills in the future as I'm working with people scattered all over the world. I'm using online resources. We're collaborating from the other side of the world. We're collaborating together and we need to solve something together for our jobs because computers, AI, simply can't figure this stuff out, Em. Yeah,
0: critical thinking, isn't it? It's got a lot positives. I really think it's fun. It's not boring. The time's going to fly, I'm sure. But what worries me about this technique is the people who are not alphas, are they going to be left behind a bit? Give me an example. If you have an escape room, for example, and you've got a group of six students and you've got to get yourself out of the escape room, you can either do that in a online version if you're teaching online or you could have some kind of presentation set up in the room but naturally people divide into leaders and followers and hopefully
1: or nobody's going to make any decisions
0: well yeah but that's what I'm saying maybe you'll get a couple of dominant students just taking over and then what do you do with the people who are not naturally gonna lead do they just watch and do they then not get an experience that's as good as the others that are actively participating?
1: Well, as teachers, we should be aware of who are the more dominant students and maybe encourage the less dominant students. And I think collaboration is a really good opportunity for students to show their skills. And as we know, as individuals, we have different abilities, different qualities, and these hopefully will flourish in an active group environment if encouraged by the teacher
0: I agree so again as teachers we really have to pay attention not just sit back and be like okay you lot get on with it you have to see who is actively engaged and if there are people who would like to participate but don't have that confidence then you have to give them that it's not as easy as just walking in and saying this is going to be fun I think you have to be very closely aware of what's going on
1: this does lead us to The fourth point, which is the changed role of the teacher, what we're describing does sound like the teacher will step in if necessary, but I think we're giving a lot more responsibility to the students these days. I often start my lesson by saying, "Okay, class, what are we going to do today? Nice. Sadly, they all look at me blankly and say, we're going to do what you've planned. And I say, "Okay." But you have to leave that opportunity open for somebody to say, oh, I had this fantastic experience. I want to share it with you. And that might be the beginning of your lesson.
0: Mm. And maybe don't just always phrase the question the same way, because that might become a bit like, oh, we don't have anything. We forgot to think of anything before the lesson. But if you start a conversation in a on a topic that may be quite unusual, and then it leads you to discussion and then the students will take over and let them lead you after the first couple of minutes when they find their footing, let's say.
1: And that could be students teaching other students, which is really exciting.
0: It is. I like the phrase from the article where in the 20th century, the teacher was the sage on the stage.
1: Sage on the stage? What's a sage?
0: Like a wise
1: person, very
0: knowledgeable. So it was just this one person standing on this stage, just giving their information out.
1: Lecturing the group.
0: And that's not 21st century. So definitely it's more of an involved situation. The teacher is a facilitator, a coach, helping and not dictating. Coach not teach. I think that's a big thing.
1: I saw in the article the sentence, the teacher is no longer the centre of attention.
0: That's nice. Good. So whereas before the teacher was the authority figure, now I think they are the enabler. The students are not passive anymore. The students are active. So it's really thinking about grammar, you know, active and passive. We've flipped it now to the students being active.
1: But also taking into account that some students are just not very confident. So find a way to include the students, but not putting them under too much pressure. That might be where you get students to maybe write the answers, because maybe they're not confident enough Mm. to shout out their answer in the group.
0: Mm. And also pay attention to whether they're getting frustrated as well. If you stand back too much... And you're just always like, well, what's your input? Come on, you tell me. What do you think? I think some students don't really respond that well to that technique and they do need a little bit of motivation or direction.
1: A bit of coaxing out of their shells.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think this is definitely a transition period of 20th and 21st century. We're only just into the 21st century, really. So some of these ideas might seem a little bit futuristic for some people and maybe a bit too progressive, Um, especially, as we've mentioned, people who have already been through education in the 20th century with this very divided teacher-student interaction.
1: I often reflect on this, Em. I think... I was taught back in the 80s and my teacher was probably taught back in the 50s. Yeah. So the knowledge I have is perhaps a bit out of date.
0: That's right. And the methods that you were taught by are out of date and you can't help but have that in your mind. So it is quite hard to suddenly lose all those habits. Next point. Gav, what's number five? Remind us.
1: It's Community Relationships.
0: Yes, which is about involving students who have interesting backgrounds and inviting people to come into your class or even just audio, video from other cultures, Indigenous people, for example, have that in as a part of your lesson and teach it and discuss it and find experts to give you this information if you don't know.
1: It connects very well to part two, which was equity, diversity and inclusivity. So think about these public spaces. Think about meeting people that you wouldn't normally meet in your life and see if you can create a community of learners, of teachers, of friends within an English-speaking environment.
0: Yeah, And don't fear it because you might not know anything about a certain culture or tradition, but use your students. They are experts already if they come from a certain country or if they've got some background in their family. Use them, which I think comes back to this idea of teacher as focus. Let's give up that role and let the students tell us something and teach us something and don't have a worry that we have to come up with is very comprehensive lesson plans where we know everything because we don't.
1: I am definitely not an expert on anything, M. but I will invite people who are experts and people who have different experiences to be, to be part of my lessons, to be part of our show. Mm-hmm. That's my aim. We can also think about our social network community. Don't only follow people who are like you, but find people who are interested in other things, people from different backgrounds, people who might show you new perspectives on life. We need to move from our cocooned, closeted, 20th century shuttered environments into this new and open and welcome 21st century of learning.
0: Yes, check your bubble. Are you in one? If all your social media contacts look like you, talk like you, then maybe that's a bubble and you need to burst that bubble and get out and be a bit more diverse. And... Explore the world because social media is so cool. It connects people from everywhere. That's the great thing, isn't it? They are, they are out there. All these people are out there. You just need to connect with them and then you will find so much more... Enrichment.
1: There's a wealth of culture out there, right?
0: Yes, yes, yes. And now is the right time, the 21st century, where we are connected in this way. We have the world at our fingertips. Why would you just want to be in a little bubble? But a lot of people are. Which kind of brings us to technology. Which is part six. Which is part six. Technology is, according to this article, considered to be cognitive tools.
1: Cognitive tools.
0: What are they?
1: Tools that make you think.
0: They're tools that make you think. Okay. Got it. Absolutely right. So let's not just say, okay, the computer is just there for me to check my dictionary or just so I can type an essay. It's there just to give you a window into the world. So you can learn something and then bring it to the classroom. As a student, you could learn something and then want to talk about it in the classroom. We use it all the time for learning, for research. It starts your grey matter
1: moving. But these skills have to be learned because open your laptop and say, world, show me. You have to learn these skills.
0: Mm, Okay.
1: Like you said, we tend to just stick to our little bubbles and we don't go out and explore The richness of life. That's
0: a good point, Gav. So you do get into a bit of a habit, maybe a bit of a rut about how you go about looking online. You maybe go to the same websites every day. You look at the same app every day. So I agree with you. We need to be more hungry for different ways. So how would you do it? How would you spice it up and make it different? Have a big online discussion or a class chat. What apps do you use? Why? What's good about that? Why is that the best one at the moment? Who's on there? What's going on? You might not even know what that app is, but somebody else tells you and you get that app. Spread it. Spread it everywhere. If you like an app, if it's really fun, tell someone about it. And it's not just the internet, of course. It's other ways of presenting your lessons as teachers That technology can be there to help you to make things more interesting visually. Presentations are there. and
1: Add pictures, add sounds, maybe some music.
0: There's a lot more that we can do now.
1: It's a lot more stimulating, isn't it? It is. Than simply sit down, open your coursebook to page seven and do exercise five.
0: Yeah. And it's easier to use technology now. Your phone has everything you need. You don't have to power up the one computer in the staff room to print out something or lug around a CD player to the other side of the city. We've got it at our fingertips. We've got smartphones. We've got portable speakers. We can have all this in our classrooms quite easily.
1: Yes, we go well beyond the textbook. So the last part of the article about 21st century skills is part seven, teacher professionalisation. So teachers need to know all the latest research on best teaching practices. They need opportunities to ask questions themselves, try out new strategies and learn from experts throughout their career. One of the biggest challenges for teachers is the rapidly changing educational environment, M.
0: Mm, We feel we're running to keep up with it, I think, sometimes. It is changing so fast and... We shouldn't be too hard on ourselves. Coming back to my fuddy duddiness, it's okay to be a little bit behind sometimes. I think it's just the open-mindedness, the willingness to try and, and just maybe reflect on your teaching style and think, has it become a bit dusty? Looking at some of my materials, they look very out of date. They don't look fresh. They're from books from the 90s or before that even. And I just don't know if my students are going to react to it in a positive way now. And maybe they don't. And I shouldn't blame them for that because it's not their fault. You know, they're living in this fast paced world where everything's fun and colourful and bright and changing every couple of minutes. I shouldn't expect them to want to look at a black and white photocopy of some cartoon book from 25 years ago. So I think... Having the freedom to experiment is fantastic, but don't be overwhelmed by it and maybe just change a little thing and then try a different thing the next week. You know, go at your own pace. That
1: resonates with me too, Em.
0: You're quite far ahead, I think, Gav. You do fly with the fastest. You like to be on the button. How do you mean, Em? Em? I always see you with some new app or like last time with the app with the dice, you just downloaded an app for dice rolling and sent it to me. And I was like, oh, I didn't know this existed. You're you're very up on things.
1: And the drawing app for Pictionary. Yeah. It's all there. You just need to find it.
0: I mean, there may be an even more modern version of it now where you can do it on some kind of green screen. Who knows? But (laughs) does that just sound really old fashioned? I'm just saying, compared to me, I think you're really progressive, but I'm sure you're thinking of other teachers and thinking they are even further ahead than you. You know, let's not constantly be comparing ourselves like we do on social media. We're doing our best, everyone.
1: I can't help but compare myself to other people, then, And that's what drives me forward. That's what makes me think, wow, that teacher is doing a really cool thing, is being such an inspiration for their students that I think, oh, I wish I could encapsulate all of this drive and energy and share this with my students so that everybody was having a fantastic time and learning and developing But we're doing our best.
0: We are. And I don't think it's a problem to feel inadequate sometimes. But like you said, I think if you have people there to inspire you, it's that balance, isn't it? You want to get inspired and that motivates you to be better. But you don't want to be overwhelmed with it where you just feel like giving up because you're never going to get to that point where they're at. So let's just say we're all doing our best and we're all doing a good job. It's just there's always room for improvement. And
1: talking of room for improvement, Em, I would like to add my own little additional paragraph to the article, which I think was maybe missing. Is there anything that you'd add before I tell you what I'd like to add?
0: Mm. I can't think of anything, so go on.
1: All right, well, I'll talk for a minute and then you can come back and maybe you'll suggest something. Right. Or maybe
0: not. <laughs>
1: okay. I would like to add green, environmental and sustainable. Nice. Which means teaching and learning methods that are considering our environment, our physical environment.
0: That is a really good point, Gav, and I agree with that 100%.
1: Because it's something that's always in my mind. How green am I being while I'm teaching? Am I inspiring the students to save some water that day, to switch off the lights if they don't need it, to not drive to the supermarket if they can walk that one mile. So how are you impacting the environment? How are you doing something positive? Think about how you are reducing your carbon emissions. Do you drive to your lesson or is it online What's your video conference's net zero carbon emissions pledge? Because, Em, I've written to a couple of these online video conference companies and said, hey, when are you going to be net zero or carbon negative? They haven't written back to me yet, but I think they are considering it because the more people who pressure them to reduce their carbon emissions, that's got to be a good thing. They're going to change their policies, surely.
0: Mm. I think that's it. You've got to keep the conversation going and constantly remind people. Again, though, it's the balance. You don't want to be lecturing your students and making them feel guilty. So I think just having a conversation maybe about it and making them aware of things that maybe they weren't before. It could be a nice conversation to have. I think if that's your thing, it's really nice to have your students know that, oh, that's Gav's thing.
1: I think it should be everybody's thing.
0: Yeah, I agree, but it's not. So that's the thing. We need to make more people aware of the climate crisis Then there might be some positive outcome from that.
1: I certainly hope so, Em, because that's the job of a responsible teacher. There's many of these important topics that we need to share with our students. Exactly. Was there a topic that you thought of while I was discussing climate again?
0: I have actually got one, which wasn't included, which I think is important. Self-care.
1: Ah, yes.
0: We did an episode on self-care, didn't we, Gav?
1: We did. What episode was that, M?
0: Season one, episode 28, self-care.
1: That was a good episode. Very
0: good. Students and teachers need to be aware of it. I think back in the heady days of the 20th century, we didn't reflect on our own feeling of exhaustion. We just kept going. We weren't told to have a break if we needed it. It was just work, work, work. You know, go in if you feel ill and be a martyr to the cause, you know. And if you're strong, you can work and be ill at the same time. But we've learned a lot since then and we've learned it's not good for us. So definitely check yourself in the morning. How are you feeling? What's your mental state? Are you okay? And if you're not, help with that and do something to feel better
1: that's it reach out to your network and make sure that you are being well take care of you that's a really good point to mention em
0: yeah take care of you and then you can take care of others so let's finish on that nice positive note or have we got a teacher teach me feature teacher
1: em don't forget we've got teacher teach me
0: oh okay who is it this week
1: hold on we need to say teacher teach me
0: And this week, we are introducing teacher Iman, who is our featured teacher. Iman is a certified English teacher and the author of Ramadan ABC and the children's book Under the Sea, which is a lovely storybook with wonderful illustrations. On Iman's Instagram, you can find... Fantastic videos for help with pronunciation, especially silent letters and difficult to pronounce words that may look different to how they are spelt. And there's also some idioms there, collaborations with other teachers, and there's some really nice videos about Canadian slang and the culture of living in Canada formal English, informal English. It's all there. Some recommendations for books, for kids, and it's great. So let's have a listen to what Iman has to say.
2: Hello, my name is Iman and I'm an English teacher based in Montreal, Canada. I'm also a children's book author. First and foremost, I would like to thank and Gav for inviting me to this amazing podcast, I am so honored to be here today to talk about my experience as a teacher and how it inspired me to become an author as well. My teaching journey started five years ago, back when I was pursuing my ESL teaching certificate, English as a Second Language. I was working as a substitute teacher in a lot of elementary schools here in Montreal. I taught different groups um, in different schools so it was quite an adventure to be honest to be able to adapt uh, myself, my teaching methods, my classroom management techniques to these differences across age groups but also across schools because each school has its unique style, its unique rules that you have to abide by, right? Throughout this experience I have noticed that there is one particular part of the lesson that all of the students loved and paid full attention to, which is story time. So we would sit in a circle and I would read the storybook out loud to my students while engaging them with questions and you know playing with my voice a little bit to make it exciting. This activity was the only activity where I felt my students are actually learning and fully, fully immersed, fully engaged in um, a conversation and asking questions about uh, the story and the vocabulary. So the more books I read for them, the more I felt like I could actually write one myself. Um, Then the pandemic hit and I switched to online teaching just like everybody else. But besides English, this time, I started teaching Arabic as well, mainly to Canadian and American young learners. A lot of these learners, I noticed, they were quite nervous at the very beginning about learning Arabic, either because they're so young, like three or four years old, or because they had no prior knowledge of this language, no exposure to this language at all. So, I figured, why not create short bilingual English-Arabic stories so that they can get a little bit of exposure um, to this language but in a relaxed storytime environment. Um, so, as a teacher, um, I'm not expecting from them to um, know the language or to say anything in Arabic at all. I'm not expecting for them, from them to read in Arabic I will do the reading myself, all I want them to do is to listen and to ask questions and to um, engage with the stories. This way they will probably acquire a, a few vocabulary words that are recurring in the story and they will eventually be able to practice them with me at the end of the lesson. And this is how I wrote my first bilingual book, Under the Sea, or Tahta al bahr in Arabic. My students were my source of inspiration for this book and many more coming. Under the Sea is a very easy book that introduces sea animals in Arabic and in English and uses a simple, Recurring sentence structure and lovely illustrations that make the story even more fun and engaging. I have been reading this book to my students prior to publishing it and their parents have left me some amazing reviews which is what encouraged me to get a little more creative and make this story Mm, tangible, or um, bring it, bring it into existence. And the sea is now available on Amazon all over the world in paperback and Kindle. I'm so grateful for this experience, and now that I have started writing books, I don't think I will ever stop because it's such a such a rewarding process. It's kind of addictive, to be honest. And that's it for me. Thank you so much, Gav and Em, for giving me this opportunity and thank you for listening.
1: Thank you so much, Iman. That was an absolutely fascinating story, following your journey into education and seeing how you were able to personalize your own teaching methods and I'm sure with really great results.
0: I love it. I love it, Gav. And what I think we should learn is those kids were engaged and enjoying those stories so much because it didn't feel like learning. I think for them, it was a completely immersive situation where they were so engrossed, they weren't thinking about the language, they were just thinking about understanding the story and the questions came naturally just out of the story itself. What a wonderful environment to learn in.
1: It is, and I've seen some pictures of the book. It is absolutely gorgeous. It's so rich and colourful, and the story is wonderful. I'll put in a link for Iman's book so you can take a look. And on reflection, if we think about a 21st century teacher, M, I think Iman has ticked all of those boxes. She's personalised the learning for her students who are going from zero to hero.
0: Oh, yeah. That's really cute. They're learning through doing, Gav, so that ticks the box of engagement.
1: Absolutely. As you can imagine, Iman is reading the story to the kids. The kids are miming, they're acting, they're repeating the words, they're asking questions. This is a really involved learning experience. We're also building a community, these relationships between the students and the teacher. I can think back to my school days when my teacher used to read stories to us and I loved it and I learned so much from those experiences.
0: And all these skills Iman has have been transferred into her online lessons, I'm sure, so she's using the technology as well. So thank you very much, Iman, for sharing your experiences with us and we're excited
1: to be sharing your materials with our followers.
0: So, I think that wraps up the 21st century teacher checkbox list.
1: Have you decided whether you're a 21st century teacher now, Em? Um, (laughs) Are you still a fuddy-duddy?
0: I don't know, Gav. I'd like to think I'm on the edge of a 21st century teacher. I'm curious about it. I'd like
1: to be. Well, that's the other thing that we didn't talk about, of course. Training, Mm. workshops conferences, all of these are available for you to improve your skills and keep moving forward into the 21st century and beyond. So good luck, Em.
0: Yeah, and I hope that the training reflects all of these new ideas. Thanks, Gav. I really enjoyed talking to you. It was very interesting.
1: See you in the new millennium, Em. What? <laughs> this is not the 22nd century next episode.
0: Oh, um, (laughs) I can barely keep up with the 21st century, Gav. Let's not go too fast.
1: You are absolutely right. Thanks, Em.
0: You're always so ahead of me.
1: And just before we finish, Em, I want to remind the followers that they can catch Gav and Em's How to English podcast transcription version. That means it's fully captioned on Spotify every other week. Go to Spotify Find Gavin M's show, open and then turn your mobile phone sideways, and you will get the transcribed video with all of the words that we are saying in the show.
0: Check it out, everyone! It's fantastic.
1: See you next time, Em.
0: See ya.